0: God, we come praising you. The soul sings out a new song, Lord. A new song that's sung to you because of your greatness and your majesty and your glory and your goodness. We bless the Lord, oh my soul. Lord, we think of the absolute truth that your son came, lived, died, was buried, rose again, ascended where he sits at your right hand, making it possible for us to declare that we will be with you because of your saving power to each one who believes, and we will sing forevermore. So, Lord, it's our prayer that our songs have blended with the songs of heaven this morning as we continue to lift up your name. And now, as our hearts have opened in worship, Lord, we ask that you would fill them with the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on this place. Stir in our hearts. Take away the clutter and the distractions that would keep us from hearing from you, God, so that we can go away from here changed, having been impacted by the truth of the word and the spirit of the Most High God, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. I encourage you to be seated and release the children through grade 4 as we turn in our Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I want to thank you guys. It's been great to have you with us here this weekend. And we've been blessed by you. Thank you. Some of them will be leading the worship at the National Day of Prayer next week, Thursday. So if you wanted to come and hear them again, you could do that. So uh, just a couple of things before we get going. I want to also offer my word of affirmation for the various things that were announced this morning. I think one of the things that we're really careful here about is who are we partnering with, supporting, and and bringing to you. And Joy Ministries is one of those that reaches into, into those which which are incarcerated, and the recidivism rate is next to nothing for them, and so it's really incredible the impact that they're having. The testimonies that you will hear if you come to that banquet are amazing. And this Thursday, they will be having a memorial service that's put on by the same people that are hosting the Walk to Remember here, and it will be a memorial service for the unborn, and they've had several of those as Pastor Dave has partnered with them to have those to bring healing And I think that's what excites me the most about the storks and the walk to remember. And the other things that God is leading us to is so many times, um, and when the storks first came, and I was telling Joe this, the the thing that impacted me is one of the things he said was that we want to be known for what we're for, not for what we're against. And the world loves to push us into a place where we talk about what we're against, and And we're for people coming to know the love of Jesus and the healing touch of Jesus in their life. He came to seek and save that which was lost. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed, and helpless, and he sees that, and he longs to bring his healing touch, and and that comes through us, and so this Walk to Remember next Saturday is an opportunity for that. As I've talked with Donna, who's the head of that, of that um, particular day, she said that the majority of people who come are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. They've been carrying this burden for that many years, believing that there's no place to come and experience healing for that, so... This is the first one there's ever been, and so I'm excited for us to be partnering for that to bring healing to those. Hey, we've all made choices in our life that if we could go back, we'd be doing it different. And Jesus is bigger than any mistake. Jesus steps into that and averts the wrath of God. So these things that we do, the storks, and and these things are things that proactively let the love of Jesus go and touch the world and make an impact by declaring the truth that Jesus saves. And so that's why we, we spend our time in those things. So as we move forward, the, the message for today is to celebrate giving, and we've come to the end, or at least next weekend, we'll be at the end of our legacy campaign. And our legacy campaign started three years ago, and, and it, next, next week it'll be three years we celebrate, and, and I, I've been thinking about this. Think about all the things that have changed in your life in the last three years, I mean, I, I look around the room and I see some people I just met and I know things have changed in your life in three years. And and there's people, oh my goodness, you know, if you start thinking about the different things in your life that three years ago, right? And And it's the same for us as a church. When we began this campaign three years ago... We were in a whole different place in many ways. And, and everybody came and we, we gave our commitments towards the Legacy Campaign because we believed with all our heart that God was calling us to, to do something different with this building. And at the time, we were going to put on an addition and then do the renovation. And, and in the three years since that time, we determined it would be best to do the renovation first and phase two is the addition. And so that, you know, that changed and then all sorts of things changed along the way. Pastor Dave and his family got called into Mali. Pastor, Mark was call, or Pastor Doug was called into team. Pastor Mark was called to, to, um, to start a church in, in the Dakotas. And so you, you look at this thing, and there's so many things that have changed in our staff and who we are. And it was interesting to have those two things happening, that at the same time the facility was all torn apart, we had absolute confidence that God was going to put it back together. And in the same way, the staff was kind of like, wow, what's going on here? But we had confidence that God was going to put it back together because he had a plan that he wanted to have happen. And so it's it's been fun to watch the last three years, God working in so many of your lives and the changes that have been made. And and to see that causes celebration because in many ways it happens because you've given yourself to the Lord. And so even as we celebrate the the coming end of the campaign and just so you know the logistics of all that. Next weekend, there'll be boxes in the back, and if you need to complete your your commitment or if there's something you'd like to give towards the end of that, that'll be there. And so that'll just be happening quietly. And And then the next week, we're gonna just celebrate how much the Lord brought in so that everybody's aware. And if there's any balance left, that'll continue to happen through your giving to the building fund. So that takes care of the logistic aspect. Now, we can step in to understand why are we celebrating what is it that causes us to celebrate giving okay and and as as we were thinking about this and praying about it on the elder board the elders said, well, it's your job to make people understand why we're celebrating. I said, well, thanks, all right? And, um, and one of the elders said, I have this great sermon that I heard. He's got a CD from December 31st, 2006, and he said, this was a, a really great sermon that might give you some, some help, you know? And I said, wow, it's really great. It, it was a message I preached, and it was like, wow, <laughs> it's like, so I listened to it, still agree with a lot of it, and so I thought, okay, let's, let's, let's take this passage and look at it again and take a look at why we celebrate giving and, and what does that mean. So 1 Chronicles chapter 29, to give you a little bit of the background here, and um, the, the background of this passage is, Chronicles, you'll understand, we have it towards the front of our Bible. But in the Hebrew Scriptures, it would actually be towards the end. You understand the Hebrew Scriptures are what we call the Old Testament. And, and Chronicles would have been at the end of that. Because you see, Chronicles are written to the post-exilic nation of Israel, Okay, and that's a big word, isn't it? So let me explain what that means. Post-exilic nation of Israel. So you understand that that Israel came in under Moses and they came into the land, I'm sorry, under Joshua, came into the land of Canaan. They tried to come in under Moses. That didn't work, but that's another story. And so they came in under Joshua and came in and took possession of the land. And then it divided into kingdoms and Assyria took over the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom was taken over by Babylonia. Okay, 586. temple was destroyed, and and the people were put into exile. Then under Cyrus, they were brought back. And so these people who were brought back are called the post-exilic nation of Israel, okay? So that's the name for it. And so now you are all like, oh, I'll learn a new... Try to use that in a conversation this week, okay? And so um, the post-exilic nation... So here comes Chronicles. And Chronicles is written, and, it, and it's given for this nation that came back so that they could be reminded of the importance of the temple for, for the commands that the nation has been given because they've been in exile. And so they've forgotten some of these things. And so it's a reminder of the Levitical law. And, and so Chronicles is reminding them of the importance of the temple for the worship of God, and how that should happen, but also the fact that God is king, that he is the sovereign over their nation, and so the, and, and that he functions through the kings, and it, so it's, there's a, a great emphasis placed on the Davidic line and, and King David, and, and so that's what the Chronicles unpacks for us. Now, we're stepping into Chronicles 29, so there's a lot that's happened in the 28 chapters prior to this. And what's happened is David has come and he's he's put the ark in Jerusalem and he's set up the city that he's built a city and he's prepared it so that he could build a temple to God. And he's gotten really excited about this possibility of building a temple for God. And God comes to him, gives him all the plans for the temple and then says, you're not going to be the one to build it. Because you've shed blood, you're not going to be the one to build it your son Solomon's gonna build it. And I thought about that. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you've, you've thought, I'm gonna really do this for God? And it became pretty clear that you're not the one who's gonna do it. Someone else is gonna do it. And you've been like, well, this stinks done all the groundwork i've done all the footwork and somebody else is going to do it you know and anybody ever have that problem or or you start to get bitter or upset and you're thinking this isn't fair or things like that first first chronicles 29 is david's response to god telling him he wasn't going to be able to build the temple and his response is to give generously and to celebrate what happens when everybody watches how he gives to God. Because you see, David was a man after God's own heart. And more than anything, that's what comes out in this text, is that God is looking at the heart of those who give. So as we celebrate giving, we celebrate the heart of the giver. So let's jump into this. The verse you'll see right at the top of your notes, it says, oh, and by the way, something new today. Perhaps you have your smartphone and you use the version app on your phone. If you look under the events tab, we're there. And so the outline for today is there. If you listen at home or online, you can go to the version app and you can follow the whole outline along there. If you'd like to look on your Facebook page, I will think that you are following the notes Okay, so you're in good shape, all right. We're looking at this first verse. The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. The message says that he was exuberant. So it's this idea that as David watched, it brought great joy, that, that generous giving to God causes celebration. That's our big idea for today, that generous giving to God causes celebration. And we're going to take a look at the different ways that that becomes real. The first that you'll see is that generous giving is premeditated. Now, your notes say premediated because I don't spell well, okay? And when you ask God for humility, he finds all sorts of ways to, to honor that Prayer. Okay, so premeditated. I tried to make premediated work, and in a way, you know, it, it could have been the point. But we're going to go with premeditated. Okay, so so uh, generous giving is premeditated. We see that in the first five verses, First Chronicles twenty nine. Then King David said to the whole assembly, "My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man. For the Lord God. With all my resources, I've provided for the temple of my God gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Because in my devotion to the temple of my, now, of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold. And silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I've provided for this holy temple. 110 tons of gold. 260 tons of refined silver. For the overlaying of the walls and the buildings. For the gold work and the silver work. And for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now who is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord today? So we take a look and we see in David's example that this giving is premeditated. In chapter 28, we're told that God gave him all the details for the temple. In great detail. He was even told how much each fork was supposed to weigh. How much gold was supposed to be put in each fork. How much silver was supposed to be in each plate. He was given all of the details. John... They were not only the blueprints. They were all the design aspects. It was everything. Almost as thorough as the plans you got when you started here. Yeah, not so much. Okay, so, but as you look at it, God had given this to David, and he understood every bit of it, every piece of it. And as he looked at that, and he knew exactly how much was going to be needed, he looked at the things that had been entrusted to him by God, and he laid those before God to determine how much he should give himself. And he gave a great deal, and then he went into his personal treasures, it says. Into his personal treasures. Now, the word that's translated personal treasures there is the same word that's used to translate how God feels about the nation of Israel. That, he, that they are his personal treasure. And so it was from David's personal things the things that he had laid aside for himself that he brought this 110 tons of gold. Wow, think about that. How many how many fillings could you do with that? But as you look at that, he brought that in and and he brought in the silver from his personal treasures. And the reason is because it was a palatial structure. Again, the chronicler, the man who wrote the chronicles is telling us that God is king. See, it's not just a temple, it's a palatial structure because the king who's sovereign over everything has chosen that this would be the place he'd dwell. Now we need to be careful as we look at this text and we try to apply that to ourselves today We're not applying the fact that we built a temple here. That's not what the correlation is. The correlation is how to celebrate giving. See, the temple of God is the place where God would choose to dwell on earth. And it was the place where he would make himself known. And so the prayer of consecration, as you read that later in 2 Chronicles, as Solomon prays the prayer of dedication over this temple, it's that those who would come would come to know him and and that it would be a sign to the rest of the world that God of the Israelites is the one true God. See, God doesn't choose to dwell in a building now, does he? He chooses to dwell in us. And so as we go out as the church... We make God known. We make Christ known throughout the earth. And so this idea of, of building the structure for the dwelling of God for, for, looked, looked forward to Christ coming. And Christ said that he would take the place. So as we look at this, generous giving is premeditated. And David shows us that he's thought carefully about this. In Corinthians, Paul says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. See, the reason we do the offering the way we do here is not so that when the bags come by, everybody goes, oh, man, didn't think this was coming. Okay, what do I got here? Oh, the moths. And so, uh, I, you know, okay, we'll throw that in. What do you think, hun? You got a five? You know, I mean, that's not what this is about at all. The offering that we do here is for the people who call Calvary home. See the ones that this is the place that God has called you to be a part of what's happening here. And that you've gotten together with God. And you've taken a look at the things that that you have. You've taken a look carefully at what's needed. What is the the mission that's going on? And 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 how do you feel about this, the storks? And, and what do you think about this, this joy ministries and what God's doing there? See, because he's entrusted these things to those who, who call him father. And, and so we have these things and we think carefully about, Lord, these are your things and, and where would you like these? And, and so we've thought carefully about what goes into that bag. And so then that becomes a celebration time for us and a time of worship. It's premeditated. In Isaiah chapter 32, it says a a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. Now, your translation might say noble, but the original word there talks about voluntary or or willing-hearted. So it's this idea of being generous. And a generous man devises generous things isn't that an interesting word devises you know it's almost got a maniacal tone to it doesn't it you know i think of i think of when i was a kid i was the middle born and the only boy and there were times that i would devise things for my sisters right and you're thinking that's not positive but you see it's this idea that i would become overwhelmed with trying to think of how I could do something. And a generous man is overwhelmed thinking about how he can be generous with the things that he's been given. See, just, he's just thinking about ways that he can do that. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? And I thought to myself, if that's how you define a generous man, then brr, Brad, I don't think I'm generous. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm... Yeah, you take a look at that. I met a guy, a man, eh, a couple years back. And he was a man who who was pretty successful. But he lived in the same house he'd lived in for 50 years. And it needed some repairs. You know, it wasn't in the greatest of shape or anything else. And I was meeting with him because he was uh, involved in giving away large amounts of money. And as I talked to him, he said, you know, a lot of my friends ask me why I don't live in a different house in a different neighborhood and these kinds of things. He said, but they don't understand that if I did that, I wouldn't be able to be as generous as I am with the things that I have. Now, don't go home and say, Pastor Chuck said we can't build a new house. Okay, that's not my point here. My point is that this man had devised in his heart that this was how he should give. And so that's how he gave. And he made that conscious decision. I thought about that. I thought, I'm not so sure that I'd devise ways to be generous. Karen and I have been talking a little bit about that the last couple of days. What are we going to do about that? Now, it's interesting. Leviticus tells us, and all the best verses are in Leviticus, don't you think? All right, so it says, but nothing that a man owns and devotes to the Lord, whether man or animal or family land, may be sold or redeemed. Everything so devoted is most holy to the Lord. So you see, the idea of this premeditated giving is that once you've decided that this is, is, you know, in your heart, you've determined this is what I'm going to give to the Lord, that becomes most holy. It's like, Super holy, like super duper holy, like utmost super duper holy. It's like most holy, right? And and so how many times? See, because we start there. See, for those of us who 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 know the Lord, love the Lord, we start with how much we're devoting to Him, and that becomes His in a most holy way. Because in our hearts we premeditated that that's what we're to give, and now that becomes His. So if I if I have a shortage. In, in the budget, then Karen and I draw draws to see who doesn't eat, because this belongs to the Lord, you see? And so you begin to say, okay, Lord, so let's, let's, let's really get serious about this. Because, listen, generous giving to God causes celebration. So the first thing we see is that generous giving is premeditated by generous people. So am I devising ways to be generous? Have I intentionally considered how I can give back to the Lord? Am I doing that? Generous giving is contagious. That's in the next verses here, verses six through eight. The leaders of the families and the officers of the tribe of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work on the temple, uh, on the temple of God. 190 tons and another 185 pounds of gold, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 3,750 tons of iron. Any who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of jehael the Gershonite. So here's this amazing accumulation 3,750 tons of iron, Peter. Think of that. And there was no dump truck or no inloaders or things like that. And, and it's like, do you see how that came? Everybody brought a little. Of all the people, everybody brought a little. And when that little was accumulated, it was tons of stuff. Everybody brought a little. And all of a sudden, it was 33 Mercedes. sprinters saving lives with 20 more on the way. Everybody brought a little and now there's tons of buses. See, that's what happens. Generous giving is contagious and what it does is it builds community. It, it, It brings people together in unity. Because we begin to see that there's something that we can accomplish. There's a, a building that needs to be renovated. It, it was tired. It needed help. There were heating plants and all these things. And, and in order for us to continue doing the ministry that God, we needed to come together in order to to really impact lives for for Jesus Christ. These buses are needed. And in order for for Dave and and and. and, and Judy, to be, oh man, don't you hate when that happens? Usually it happens at home and not in front of everybody, all right? In order for Dave and Judy to reach into the, into the prisons, see, we need to be together on that. And we celebrate giving. I celebrate giving, and I, I love the fact that together we've come and we've given, you know, three and a half million dollars towards the building project, but at the same time, we've given in these past three years to help reach those in need in our community through the Benevolent Fund and through the Clothing Outreach Center. Almost a million dollars we've given away to keep our our missionary people in in the places that they are all around the world in addition to the amount we've given short-term, in addition to the amount that we've been able to do to keep the facilities here. See, and we do that together as we each bring the little that we've been given and put it together and it becomes contagious the story is told of a young man Jackson Rogers 10 years old and he raised forty three thousand dollars for building a house for Habitat for Humanity see his pastor gave him a hundred bucks and said do something good to help someone so he was like man I want to help a homeless person so he was thinking about how he could do it got together with his dad and after a couple of months they came up with the idea that they'd write letters so he bought the paper, and he bought the, the stamps and things, and he sent out 200 letters asking for people to help raise money to build a house for, for humanity. And he sent them out, and word got out. And people got contagious. 170 people sent money and raised $43,000 towards the house that would cost 50000 The church found out, pitched in the last seven, and the house was built. And the woman was amazed when she moved in to find out that the one who raised the money for her house was only 10 years old. See, it's contagious. When you see people start giving, it is contagious. And it causes celebration. So, have I caught the bug of generous giving? If it's contagious, have I caught the bud? Terry was in here in the first service, and Terry last week had pink eye, all right? He wouldn't let anybody touch him. See, but if, if, if Terry had the bug of generous giving, everybody should be grabbing onto him, rubbing up against him. I want to catch that. See, that's, that's the idea here, is that in our community, we catch this bug of generous giving. Generous giving happens willingly. It happens willingly. And this is where we really start seeing the key of what's happening here. David says this, The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they'd given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. Verse 17, David says, I know, my God, that you test the heart. You're pleased with integrity. Check me out. All these things I've given willingly and with honest intent. He wasn't trying to manipulate people to give. That's not what we're talking about here. Manipulation, forgiving, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God moving in the heart of people, and that's what he's celebrating. He said, now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you, not because they were manipulated, but because of their heart. O oh, Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of all your people forever. Keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees, and to do everything to build this palatial structure for which I have provided. See, wholehearted, wholehearted devotion, this pure heart towards God. what, Listen, generous giving causes joy because it reveals a pure heart. It reveals a heart that's given over to the Lord. In a big way, it's not the gift we give. It's that we give ourselves. We're the offering. You see, those of us who've given ourselves to the Lord, we're the offering. I urge you, brothers, Paul says, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. See, we are the offering. We are offering ourselves back to God, and and from the offering that we are, gifts come forth. And that causes celebration. Because it's not about, and listen, I loved watching people come up here. Man, they gave sacrificially. People were devising ways to give. People were giving campers and cars and, and all of these things and, 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 and special pieces of jewelry and things. People came and brought and, and gave, and, and they continue to do that and, and sacrificially find ways to give. And that's great, and, and I celebrate that, but what I celebrate is the heart of the person who does that. There are people in the congregation who come up to me from time to time and hand me large amounts of money, and say, somebody's going to come and need this. Make sure they get it. And I hold that, and I wait, praying. And God reveals that. And time and time again, I have had the pleasure of watching God do something amazing as that just that amount is just what's needed at that time. There's one woman in particular who really doesn't even have enough to be doing that. But every year she gets this unexpected amount. And every year she gives it to me in $100 bills and asks me to give it away. And she needs it. Willingly, because her heart is given to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. When Paul's talking about the church in Philippi and he's talking how they gave out of their extreme uh, poverty, he says they did not do as we expected. This is 2 Corinthians 8:5. They didn't do what we expected. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. See, it's this idea of of giving your heart to God. We sang it. We all sang it together. This is my desire to honor you, Lord. With all my heart, I worship you. That's who we are. We give our heart to the Lord. And that heart then moves in a willing generosity. Is my heart a heart that gives willingly? Because generous giving causes great celebration. The next thing we see is that generous giving causes praise. There's a doxology that we see in our passage here. It starts at verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God our Father, Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. See, generous giving to God causes celebration, and it causes praise. It just results in people praising God for what he has done. Paul talks about this again in that church to Philippi. He says, towards the end of chapter 4, he says, I, you know, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Not that you haven't been concerned, but you didn't have a way to show it. He says this, he says, not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Oh, I love that. There's such beauty in that. See, this message is not about the fact that we need money. We all know that in order to continue to the work we need to do, there's money that's needed. It's not about that. It's about what can be credited to our account. And listen, that, that, that doesn't mean we've got a bad motive. Jesus says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, we, we need to understand Randy Alcorn uses that that analogy that if you lived in Confederate America two days before the end of the Civil War and you knew you were going to lose, you'd do everything you could to get rid of Confederate currency and get Union currency, right? And all the stuff we have here is Confederate currency. See, we're we're going somewhere else and the currency is different. Gold is paving material up there, right? Right? So what are we sending ahead? What's credited to our account? And so we rejoice, and it causes praise when we say, oh, man, we've been able to, four out of five women that stepped foot on that bus. Man, you know how many lives get a chance to live? The potential of those lives and what will happen Generous giving is worship. Generous giving is worship. 14. Who am I? Isn't that a great question? You know, that needs to be our attitude every time we come to God. God, who am I? Who am I that, that, that the Lord of all the earth? Who am I and who, who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we've given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight as were our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance we've provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and it all belongs to you. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised God, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and fell prostrate before the lord and king as we look at this we see that generous giving is worship the first thing it does is recognizes the source take a breath <sighs> it came from god and beat of your heart came from god again deuteronomy You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but do not forget. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Everything we have is God's. Everything in the world, it says in Psalms, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's pretty inclusive. Everything we have comes from God. And generous giving recognizes that, because worship is ascribing worth to God. And so it's saying that we understand that everything we have comes from God, and here it is back. And it's a pleasure to do that out of a heart that's given over to him. So how do I see my giving as worship? How does it help me stay focused on God as the provider of everything? Because giving selflessly resembles God. See, we give generously because our Father is a generous giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only son. He gave eternal life. He gave us. And he continues to give. He gives grace beyond measure. He gives mercy. He gives compassion. All these things. Our God is a generous God. And so as we give selflessly, we best resemble him. So what? What do we celebrate here? We celebrate the community that we have. You are a generous group of people. When I think of all the things faith christian school inspiration ministries uh, you know agape house joy joy ministries the storks and all of these things these all of these different places the work here at calvary the missionaries that many of you support individually the short-term uh things that you do the clothing outreach center the sacrificial giving of your time it's like we have a community here that is working and focused toward what god is doing We celebrate the passion we have of knowing Christ and making him known. We celebrate God's sovereignty, recognizing that everything we have is his. We celebrate that we're able to give generously. And we search our hearts because we understand and know that a pure heart prompts generous giving which results in joy. Not joy in the circumstances, but joy in the God that we serve. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, what about you? Do you have wholehearted devotion, a pure heart? Do you devise ways to be generous? Are there some things that you need to do to adjust that? We celebrate what God has done in our midst. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep your hearts loyal to you. Oh God, that's my prayer for us. Keep this desire in the hearts of, of your people here. Give us pure hearts, given over to you completely, wholeheartedly devoted to you, Help us devise ways of being generous, ways that we can give, Lord, so that we can celebrate and praise you when we see how you're able to work with the gifts that we give. I thank you for this legacy campaign. God, I thank you for the the last three years and the way that you've sustained our ministry here. There's no way three years ago as we looked forward we could have anticipated that this is where we'd be, but it's where we are by your grace. And we celebrate it. We celebrate that every step of the way you've been here with us and never once have we ever walked alone. We praise you for that. I praise you, Lord, for the the way that you have sustained people in this room. I look over and I see heartache that's come into the lives of some. Lord, you've sustained. You're such a good God. I praise you for that. We thank you, and we celebrate that you are our Father, and that you are the God from whom all blessings flow. We pray this in your name, Amen. May I ask you to stand and hear God's good word for you before you leave. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.